Hello, and welcome to the Marketing Show podcast. This episode is brought to you by our partner, Canva. Canva lets you design anything and publish anywhere. Yeah, we use Canva to create all of our designs, even the podcast artwork you might be looking at right now. On today's episode, we're talking about influencer marketing, a popular tactic used in many communication strategies these days. Influencers can help you build awareness and trust to the target audience in an authentic way. So today, we're going to explore whether an influencer campaign is right for your brand, and if so, how to get the most out of it. We hope you enjoy the episode. And if you do, don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review while you're there. Enjoy the show. All right, Mark. So today, we are talking about influencer marketing. And Mark, I think this is a topic that you should know a lot about being a fairly famous influencer yourself. Yeah, look, you know, it's, um, it's a blessing and a curse, really. I'm just waiting for that verified blue tick. Um, okay. But yeah, I'm just, I'm just posting all of my food that, I, that I'm eating constantly or, or, or workouts, really. Yeah, well, I saw on one of your recent posts that you're sponsored by Gucci now for wearing their loafers. Yeah, look, they were just like, you know what, Mark? Like, you're just sporting our loafers so much and looking so great at them that we can't help but bring you on board the team. Um, <laughs> they know that they did not need to pay you. <laughs> yeah, exactly it. But no, it's, um, influencer marketing, is a, in all seriousness, is an awesome avenue for us to be exploring in the new digital age of marketing. There's lots for us to learn today. Yeah, look, it's definitely a bit of a buzzword that we've been hearing a lot over the last few years, I would say. Uh, but influencing uh, in general isn't a new thing. Uh, and to put it simply, uh, the reason that influencers are popular uh, today, but even in the past, is that people tend to trust people more than they trust trust brands. So influencer marketing allows you to leverage that trust to create goodwill towards your brand with an influencer's audience. And there's so many cool tactics and and tricks that you can learn on the way to do this well. And before we even dive into that, we're going to really explore why it is such a big thing in marketing and when you should even be going down this route as a a tactic or tool. Um, And before we get started today, if you are interested in a lot of the content that we're exploring in today's episode, uh, we want to give a big shout out to our uh, man, Neil Patel, as well as the Hootsuite blog, who have heaps of info and tips and tricks on influencer marketing that we found really useful while researching this episode so go check them out after this if you want more info but um, getting into it let's actually define what influencer marketing is so influencer marketing is a type of social media marketing that uses endorsements and product mentions from influencers and influencers is a word that we hear a lot these days but they are individuals who have a dedicated social following and are viewed as experts within their niche Influencer marketing works because the high amount of trust that influencers have built up over their following and recommendations from them serve as a form of social proof to your brand's potential customers. So, Mark, we know that through our uh, joint uh, Gucci loafer uh, appreciation account um, that we've built up lots and lots of trust um, over time as we become experts in the loafer space. Yeah, well, 100 percent. Look, Mark, I've got a quote for us today to really get us into the mood for this one. So the quote is. People don't buy goods and services. They buy relations, stories, and magic. And that's from our main man, Seth Godin. Uh, And the reason I've chosen that quote for today is because influencers, I feel like, can help us build those stories and that magic around our brands that we are otherwise unable to achieve ourselves. Seth Godin, another big shout out. We loved his work and his daily email that he sends out every day. So um, if you are a fan of that quote, definitely check him out to learn a lot more. He's, he's a definitely a big part of our marketing scholar world. 
Yes, and read Purple Cow if you get a chance. Uh, but moving right along, we've got some stats to kick us off. So uh, the first stat we've got here is according to Tap Influence and Influitive, 92% of consumers turn to people they know for referrals above any other source. Uh, so it goes, goes to show that people really trust other people's opinions more than a brand telling them what to do. Uh, and Bright Local reports that 88% of people trust online reviews written by other consumers as much as they trust recommendations from personal connections. So it's really interesting, that one, because what they're saying there is that the, the recommendation doesn't have to come from someone they know, but as long as it's a recommendation from a person, it's very trustworthy in their eyes. And we know that from the Influencer Marketing Hub that every social platform attracts influencers to some degree, but Instagram is still the gold standard for this group. So nearly four in five or 79% of brands predominantly tap into Instagram for the influencer campaign, compared to Facebook at 46%, YouTube at 36%, Twitter at 24%, and LinkedIn at 12%. We also know that the influencer marketing industry is on track to be worth up to $15 billion by 2022, up from as much as $8 billion in 2019, according to Business Insider Intelligence. And that is also based on media Kickstarter. So it's a massive rising industry. Um, so one that we want to make sure we're on top of as marketers through our learning journey. Yeah, and you can see why it's getting bigger and bigger as social networking expands and the number of influencers doing this type of work for brands uh, increases as well. But moving into, into the meat of the episode, let's, let's move into some principles for, uh, for influencer marketing. So I think there are two things we really wanna set up for today. One is, you know, is influencer marketing right for you uh, based on what you're doing with your business at the moment? Uh, and once we've established that, we're gonna talk about how you would go about doing influencer marketing properly because it's very easy to do influ influencer marketing these days, but you wanna make sure that like any other marketing tactic that you employ, you do it in a way that's gonna be optimal for your business and be effective communication. So the first part, should I do an influencer campaign? There's no doubt that influencer marketing can be a powerful part of any communications plan, but is it a good tactic for every brand? Well, before we decide whether it's the wrong thing, let's see if it would be the right thing. So here are some reasons why you might wanna consider influencer marketing as part of your campaigns. Uh, first of all, if you wanna build a following, if you don't have a large following yet for your brand, so let's say you're a new brand or business, or you may not be a new brand or business, but you might be new to having social media, uh, social media accounts, this can be a really great way to get some fast traction and some followers by using other people's audiences to bring them over. If you wanna build trust for your uh, product or service, uh, using a third party can really help to build trust with their audience. Uh, it also can be useful if you wanna reach your target audience in a more meaningful way, especially if you're a brand that struggles to have a meaningful connection with consumers. Yeah, we also know that Engaging with influencer marketing can have a few different win-win opportunities by going down this path as well. And one of those win-win opportunities are, is the ability to actually improve your SEO. So as more people, notably influencers, are posting about your good or service, um, and they're mentioning your product name and your key and the keywords that come with your brand, this actually can drive your SEO on that platform. There also gives you a reason to be part of your target audience's social feed as well, so driving a lot more of that recognition. 
and it also gives you an opportunity to generate content known as UGC or user generated content, which means that there's a win-win where you're actually getting content which you can repurpose for your own channels later on. And if you think about it, that can be a great return on investment because you may have actually had to have paid to get that content created by an external agency or another party in the first place but you're actually getting that to be created by this influencer who's also posting it for you. And the final reason you might want to consider influencer marketing is to also build ratings and reviews off the back of the actual influencer reviewing your product. But that being said, on top of the many reasons to consider an influencer marketing strategy, there are also some reasons you want to be wary or consider carefully when engaging an influencer campaign. And the first thing I want to think about is if your brand or industry is in the general public's bad books. So, for example, if you think of banks during the Royal Commission, it probably wasn't the best time for them to engage in an influencer marketing campaign to be building that credibility with certain influencers. Um, and you also want to avoid influencer tactics as it might also cause divisiveness amongst that issue for your brand, product or good or service. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, in a time like that, it would be hard to find an influencer who uh, genuinely sided with you. So you lose that authenticity as well because you can t see right through the influencer's post. Uh, some other reasons you might want to consider not doing influencer activity is if you're talking about a really sensitive issue. So think about like social causes, like uh, racism in society and things like that. Those topics are touchy at the best of times for any brand to, to talk about. But if you add an influencer into that mix, you're adding another layer of complexity because the influencer will have their own views uh, and their own, uh, their own re relationship with their audience. And if you, if you've looked like you've sided with one particular influencer who has a particular point of view, you can start to cause a little bit of a, um, a nightmare for your brand. The other thing to consider uh, is that if you've been using influencers in the past excessively, you might want to consider giving it a little bit of a rest uh, because consumers will start to see that you do a lot of influencer activity and start to see through it as a tactic rather than a genuine recommendation from somebody that they trust. Uh, the final thing that we'd say on reasons you might not want to consider doing influencer campaigns is if you're a product uh, that is sold in an offline uh, way. So if you're sold in grocery stores or only in brick and mortar stores, the reason we say that is because it can be hard to track whether the influencer activity uh, has actually been successful. Now that might depend on where in your comms funnel you see this activity taking place. If it's a brand awareness activity, then that might not be a big issue, but it's definitely a consideration if you are going down that path. Moving right along, if you do want to do influencer activity, how do you do it really well. Well, the first thing, like any marketing tactic, is to start with the end in mind. And, and that means having a really clear goal of what you want to achieve. So we think that the, the best way to, to be clear on your goals with this activity is to look at three things. First of all, you want to look at your target demographic. So who are you actually trying to reach? And the reason that's especially important here is because it will inform whether you want to have a niche targeting strategy or a broad targeting strategy. Uh, because with influencers, there are a range of types of influencers that you can go after that have expertise in different subject matters. So the first thing is, who is your demographic you want to target? The second thing you want to look at is what you want your influencer to actually help you do. And it might, you might be thinking, well, I just want them to help get my brand out there. But I think it helps to, to think about this a step further. Do you want them to drive signups uh, on your website to a mailing list? Do you want them to drive conversions? Do you just want to 
get them to help you get followers? Are you trying to get store visits offline or website visits? All of these things could mean that you go after this strategy a little bit differently. So you want to be really clear on what you want to achieve. And then it will also help you measure whether you've been successful later. Uh, and then the other thing that you, that you want to do with your goals is make sure you're clear on how you expect the influencer to help you. Because the influencer probably has in their mind what they think a good relationship with a business is and how they should execute uh, that plan. But if you have a different idea, you need to communicate that to them. So be really clear on what kind of content you expect them to create, how many pieces of content or how many posts you expect them to make, uh, and how often you want those posts, and, and specifically what platforms do you want that, those posts to be posted on. Now that we've considered whether we want to actually go down the route of engaging influencers for a, for a campaign, and we've also thought about how we could do it well, it, you know, it's time for us to actually start finding the right influencer. Um, and actually going through this process can be a little bit tricky. Um, you know, it's hard to kind of decide, make this decision, open your computer, you really find it ready to go. And it's really difficult to actually go about and act on that. So we think that because we think that choosing the right influence is vital to the success of a killer influencer marketing campaign, there are a few different places you can start to look at to try to find your right influencer. And the first one is to actually just do good old fashioned manual searching. So this method requires conducting individual searches, scanning web pages for information, and then adding that information to a spreadsheet. Um, it's extremely time consuming and it's not very effective, but the, pro the positive of this process is that you're actually gonna be engaging with the influencers and uh, having a really great personal view of the landscape because you're spending so much time within the detail. The second key thing you can also consider is the use of databases. So there are tools that will do this site scraping for you by pulling publicly available data. Um, and these can be really good places to start, but vetting each influencer can still prove time consuming. So instead of actually going about and doing the searches all yourself, the, the databases do their heavy lifting and provide you with these different lists. Um, and some examples of these that you could think about using will be uh, sites like Littleberg and Empowered. Yeah, a couple of other ways you could go about this is uh, to use networks. So networks is a method of connecting with influencers and it kind of sits between databases, which are sort of broadly scraping the internet for information, and then what's called a marketplace, which we'll, we'll talk about after this. A network has, a built, uh, has built a relationship with a group of influencers, uh, but you still have to go to their profiles and reach out to them once you've found them. So I guess a network is like a curated version of a database. Uh, but then the final place to go to look for the right influencer is a marketplace. And I, I guess to put it simply, a, a marketplace cuts out the middleman and makes it easy for you. So they will have groups of influencers and curated lists of influencers, depending on what you what type of influence you want. But then they'll also help you conduct uh, the reach out uh, and and all of the financials as well. So within that platform, you'll be able to say, hey, I want, I want to brief you on doing some posts for me and I'm willing to pay you this much and then even carry out the transaction on the platform. So some popular examples of marketplaces are Tribe, Hyper and Brand Snob. So you might have come across some of these because they're getting quite popular at the moment. Um, and much like dating sites, marketplaces allow you to look at hundreds of profiles across different influences. So you're almost able to like swipe left and swipe right to find the right match. Uh, a couple of other considerations though, um, is that when you are looking for these influences, 
is to consider what's called the three R's. So when you're looking at each influencer embedding them, look at relevance for your brand. So do they look like a good brand fit? Reach. So are they reaching the, the sort of numbers that you want to be reaching with your campaign? And then resonance. So are they getting the kind of engagement you're looking for? That's a really important one because somebody might have you know, a million followers, but only get a 0.02% engagement on their posts. So you need to weigh up whether you want reach or engagement and then make your decision. Uh, and then finally, uh, you want to consider what type of influence you want in terms of size. So this goes back to what your goal is. If you want to go for niche influencers that have a very specific audience or whether you just want mass awareness. Um, so you might want to go for a nano influencer, which typically has 1,000 to 5,000 followers. Then there's micro influencers that have somewhere between 2,000 and 100,000 followers and then macro influencers, which we think is anything more than 100,000 influencers. Uh, and to be honest, you might want to go for both. You might want to have a mixture of these uh, so that you can achieve different, uh, I guess, sub goals within this, this campaign. The really interesting thing about the mix of micro to macro to nano influencers is that, you know, there is no one right fit for every brand. Like, I think it's really interesting when you hear those stories about um, a marketing team spending all their marketing budget on one influencer post from a top tier macro influencer like Justin Bieber or Kylie Jenner. And it's really interesting because sometimes if you take the calculated approach to that one particular post, that might actually deliver the return on that investment they made based on the post and the category that they play. Um, but just because the macro influencer is right for that specific brand and strategy doesn't necessarily it's a, a given principle that we can apply to all brands but still really interesting if it does ever come up and now that we've potentially set, selected our influencer or our influencer mix um, the thing we also want to really be considerate of is taking the time to build a real relationship with the influencer or influencers which you're about to engage with. Um, and this gives you and the influencer a chance to see if you're a good fit and also increases the authenticity. So you can start by slowly following them on social media, sharing their content and commenting on their blogs and engaging in relevant conversations wherever possible. Um, and establishing a relationship with mutual trust is the key to successfully engaging your market's thought leaders and also your brand advocates. Um, and it goes without saying here is that influencers are just human beings too. And if you're going to be working on a team with anyone, building that relationship up front is going to be a great place to start going forward. Yeah, it's, it's such a good point, right? Because we talked about before finding the right influencer and one of those uh, points that you want to look at is brand fit. And if you can find people who are already talking about your brand or your product on their own accord, that's almost like the perfect brand ambassador. So if you can start by searching for those people and then as you said, build up that relationship, it's going to make it seem that much more authentic and the content's going to feel almost organic even though it might be a paid relationship. But off the back of that, Mark, I think that one of the cool things you can do once you've found those people and you've built that relationship is make sure that you empower those influencers by giving them access to information in your brand, but remembering not to take over from a creative control point of view, because at the end of the day, you're paying them for the access and the trust they have with their audience and their audience expects a certain type of content, which isn't necessarily your brand content. Um, so ways that you can try and make sure they have that access to your brand is to invite them into your offices, you know, take them into the factory, show them how the product is made. This is all really great for them because it builds up that affinity with you and working with you, but also for their fans because their fans will probably be quite curious about the, the background of this product that the influence is recommending to them. 
and they can share super interesting stories about that with the audience that will only be a win-win for them and for you. Um, but as we said, really make sure that you just don't jump in and take over creatively because that sort of defeats the purpose. You may as well just go and make normal ads and normal brand posts if you just want it to look the way you want it to look. So it's a hard thing to do, but it's super important when it comes to influencers. The next thing we, we want to think about off the back of that is, you know, when you're engaging influencers on a really uh, high involvement basis um, and you're forming this really long, great long-term relationship with them, you kind of want to be wary as to the, when you're going to be blurring the lines between influencing and sponsorship, um, which is a really important distinction to make. So the, what we mean by this is that if you think about sponsorship, if you think about you could sponsor an event, uh, it's really clear that you are corporate partners through that event and you're going to get exposure just by seeing your brand associated with that event. And perhaps that's maybe on some signage at a big football game or maybe on a big poster at a music festival. But with influencing, it's a little bit of more of a micro level where you are both uh, exchanging ideas for mutual benefit as well on the platform. Um, and it's a little bit uh, less obvious that it can be in ad at times. Um, and the reason we bring this up is we want to make sure that you're looking for plenty of organic, non-paid content to keep your followers interested, enthusiastic, and engaged. And we know that YouTube influencer Laura Reed recommends only having one in every five or ten post sponsors. And the reason we say this is that if an influencer is already hitting followers with tons of paid posts, their engagement rate might not last because they might be engaging with so many different partners and influencing constantly that their credibility might be going down and it means that your brand messaging might not be hitting through really consistently. Yeah, I think that we've all, you know, watched videos or followed influencers that have just been doing way too much paid content or paid ads. And it, it really starts to become annoying because you lose the magic of the influencer, which is that it, it's a genuine recommendation that they're giving their audience. And you start to see through it and see that they're just doing it for the money. Uh, so yeah, that's a really good guide, which is that one in every five or 10 posts are paid or sponsored. And then the rest of them should be just their normal content. You know, you don't want to overdo it with your influencers. You said something interesting there, Mark, which is that, you know, there's a bit of a blurred line between what sponsorship is and what influencing on social media is. And, and for a long time, influencers didn't have to disclose that they were sponsored by a company or they were doing a sponsored post. And, and what that meant was that for consumers, they might think that the influencer is giving them a genuine recommendation that might not be true. So uh, the, a, an example would be that, you know, an influencer gets an opportunity to, to promote a product that they don't actually use or recommend, but they're going to get paid for it. So they do it anyway. And the, the audience thinks it's genuine, therefore they act upon it. And it, it just brings in a level of uh, mistrust. Um, so one of the things that's happened uh, recently is that uh, there is some advertising guidelines have come in to clear this up completely. And this is enforced at a market level. So different countries have different guidelines, but also as a platform level. So different platforms like Instagram also have their guidelines. So depending on where you are and what platform you use, you're going to want to make sure you look these up and make sure that any content you do with an influencer is meeting these guidelines. And just a few uh, quick ones, just so you know what we're talking about. Uh, there are a few examples are, you know, Video reviews must include written and verbal disclosure of the partnership. Um, so when an influencer is doing a video, they need to say, this is brought to you by, or this, uh, this is sponsored by. 
for some platforms, you need to have to actually have a hashtag, so hashtag ad or hashtag sponsored uh, within the post copy. And on image only platforms like Snapchat, it's actually recommended that you superimpose the disclosure that you're in partnership or that this is ad over the image that you're showing. Yeah, totally. So, you know, I know that if I, or for example, on social media, uh, post about my love for the fantastic Australian chocolate milk brand Oak, um, I don't necessarily have to disclose this is an ad because it is uh, organically me talking about how much I love that brand of chocolate milk. Um, but if we were to get paid by Oak to actually post about uh, their content and review them, then we want to make sure that the logos and, and those things are very, very disclosed all over those posts. Um, yeah. But I think, uh, unfortunately, or fortunately for my waistline, that's probably not going to be happening any, anytime soon. Yeah, you've been real hungry thirsty lately. Uh, but <laughs> you also raise a good point, which is that uh, not all sponsorships are about money. Uh, sometimes, especially with micro and nano influencers, you might just be sending free products to the influencer. So that's still considered uh, a sponsorship uh, and they still need to disclose that there, uh, there is a sponsorship or an advertising element to that social media post. Uh, on that note, you know, if you are able to get some fantastic influencer content um, or user-generated content, which we also use the acronym UGC, you can actually use that to publish on your own channels to gain credibility and more value from the influencer if that partnership has already been recognised in a really clear way. Um, and this is also a really great way to build content for your own channel. Um, and it also increases the value of using the influencer because they're not just seeing that content on their page, but also on yours as well. Um, and it can also help to build your brand image um, if, the influencers, if the influencer content is a good representation of your brand. Um, and we, uh, you and I, Mark, see this quite a lot within the uh, online cycling community that we're both a big fan of. Um, and there's, for example, a great YouTuber called Fernwee um, who partners with a brand of bicycles called Focus Bikes. Um, and together in partnership with that, you see a lot of his content that he produces in a really beautiful and cinematic style on his channels. But then you'll see the uh, brand Focus uh, Bikes also publish it on their channels in the future as well. And it's pretty cool because if you think about it, Focus as the brand of bicycles within this example, um, wouldn't actually have to go and pay a second production company to create new content for their channel. They've actually used that same budget and probably saved a bit of money by getting that uh, content created through the influencer, which is super, super cool. It's a great point. Uh, a note on that is that if you are going to take that UGC and put it on your own channels, you just need to make sure that you have the licensing to do so. Uh, you might need to pay a small fee to the influencer, but obviously this is something that you would have an open discussion with them about when you're, uh, when you're building that plan together and starting to work together. Uh, okay, I think this is now the, the most important part of, of influencer marketing, which is once you've decided to do it and you've found the right influencer and you've, you've put content out there, how do you actually track and measure the performance? Because, you know, again, this is just another tactic for your comms campaign. And, and just like everything else, we need to make sure that it's effective. So uh, the first thing to say is that a lot of people, whether they're agencies or influencers, will, will quote what we call vanity metrics to try and show uh, how engaged their audience is or, or how well your performance is doing and and they'll use things like likes and comments to say look you know we reached this many people and you got this many likes and this many comments and that's the, this percentage of engagement and while that's not necessarily a terrible way to gauge how things have gone if you can benchmark it against previous posts or other influencer posts 
it doesn't really tell you that much uh, about it because you don't know whether the the person liked it uh, and then went and t took an action or whether they just sort of liked it and forgot about it in the next second. It doesn't really tell you that much. So one of the things that we recommend is using what's called a UTM parameter code. Uh, what this is, is it's a piece of code, like a HTML link that you can give to the influencer and they will include it as part of their post. What this means is that any action taken by an audience on that post, say they click on it and link out to your website, is tracked. And if you've got Google Analytics set up on your website, you can see where the consumer came from, what post they came from. So you'll be able to look and see, oh wow, we had 10 influencer posts and you know, influencer two uh, actually drove a much higher rate of people clicking out to my website than all the other influencers. And then once they're on your website, of course, you can track what they do next. So you can then link it to things like conversions and sales. Uh, so we think that's a really great way to see how well your influencer posts are actually doing. Uh, but as we said up the top, if you're a brand that doesn't have e-commerce or doesn't have a large percentage of sales going through e-commerce, it can make it quite hard to track. Uh, and so we recommend that uh, no matter what you do, you should always be checking your sales data during the campaign period. And whilst it might not be as crystal clear as to who bought what, you could at least look for uplifts and you could run A-B tests with different influences at different times to see what impact that has on your sales. And this approach we know is so important to be able to track and measure properly and just be really transparent in the way or the methodology that you're using to track and measure your campaigns because oftentimes it is really um, easy to get excited by vanity metrics as, as we mentioned up front because oftentimes the numbers that can be shown using different types of metrics can actually be really, really big and, and quite exciting. So, you know, one of them, for example, which we, we probably recommend trying to avoid is the use of impressions, for example, because the way impressions can, uh, can be served can be calculated in many different ways. Um, but the, the, the method of serving impressions you probably want to steer most clear of or be the most wary of is if you ever see um, impressions where it's been calculated by um, the number of followers that the person has on the social media account. Um, and it's assumed that every single one of those followers may have actually seen that post. Um, because oftentimes if someone has 3 million followers and you see that you've done a sponsor, uh, uh, you've done an influencer partnership with them. Um, and you see later on that, Oh, you got 3 million impressions because they have 3 million followers. That's probably a pretty dodge vanity metric that you want to avoid. Um, even though it sounds really, really exciting and, and Mark, we're probably both um, laughing because we've uh, experienced that at some point in our marketing careers as well. Yeah, I, I think, you know, uh, I, I, as a reference, uh, go check out our episode on data-driven marketing. I think we talked about metrics there uh, quite a lot. Uh, but yeah, the, the, other, the other one to look out for is, you know, like potential impressions or potential yeah. reach. If you ever see the word potential in front of something, that's always a sign that you maybe shouldn't take it at its face value. Totally, which is why something like the UTM parameter code is so awesome um, because it really gives you the data that you need to be able to optimize this content in the future. But also ultimately add influencer marketing as another tool in your marketing toolkit and know when you do and don't want to engage with it. 100%. Well, Mark, I think this has been a really sharp look at influencer marketing. We hope that this has been a good starting point for people to learn a little bit about it. As we said up the top, if you want to go learn more, Neil Patel uh, is a really great resource. Just Google Neil Patel. Uh, and also the 
Hootsuite blog uh, is actually super helpful on this one. So go check those out. Yeah, totally. And just in case, if anyone um, who works with Oak Chocolate Milk and they're looking for some great influencers, uh, both Mark and Mark and I will be uh, more than happy to partner uh, with such a delicious and fantastic brand. <laughs> totally, totally. Um, but guys, we hope you've uh, enjoyed the episode. And if you have, don't forget to leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. It'll help more people uh, reach out with our learning journey. Um, and if you have enjoyed the show, make sure you hit subscribe so you can hear from us every week. Thank you very much.